0: morning church Uh, I decided that I sound better with different people so (laughs) now we are gonna try this and see how it sounds I think it's gonna sound very well but uh, we're gonna try this and see how it does if it does we're gonna keep continue on singing like this and the song we're gonna be singing this morning is when he was on the cross if you will I'm not on an ego trip I'm nothing on my own I make mistakes I often slip Just common flesh and bone But I'll prove someday That's why I say, I'm of a special kind, for when he On his scarlet robe, stained it crimson red. Though his eyes were on the crowd that day, he looked ahead in time.
1: Puppies. What would you would you would you like that? Could we go to the pet store and buy you a baby puppy? No. Would you like one? <laughs> just for okay. okay, right. let's go
2: let's
1: let, okay. Let's let's just pretend that we're going to go buy a cute cuddly little puppy. What would we need? What would that all right and oh let's start with this. Let's say the dog, the little puppy cost a hundred dollars. He's buying. Alright, that's fine. That's fine. We've we've got a hundred dollars here. We're gonna spend a hundred dollars. We need food and water. We need food. How much do you think the food's gonna cost?
2: Three dollars.
1: No, fifty. Fifty dollars. Can we let's give Start. you food for a month.
2: I mean about $50. food. You need food we
1: We're going to give him some really good food. We're gonna pay fifty dollars for it. All right we got to have him toys, so maybe that's another in a bed. $3. So, oh, I wish, my dear, I wish. Let's say that's another $50. And let's don't forget, let's don't forget, he's got to go to the vet. He's got to have shots. He's got to hold the vet. That's at least $200. So we spent roughly $300 on this one little cute little puppy dog, right? Let's, let's so like how many of you have got $300 to go to to the store and
2: buy
1: a bed, uh, uh, to buy a puppy dog. I'm thinking mama and daddy. I'm thinking mama and daddy would be the ones to go buy this little dog. And let's look at it this way. Let's get it, let's. have
2: a blue
1: You do, I am glad. We'll talk about it in the nursery, all right? I'm glad, too. Okay. All right, but now we've got $300 who we've got to cover for the puppy. So I'm thinking that's going to come out of mom and daddy's pocket, checkbook, checking account. Do you know what it takes to earn $300? A lot of hard work. It takes a lot of hard work to earn $300. You have to first depend on God to give them the job to earn the money. God has to give them the good health to be able to go to work. He has to give them money to pay for gas and a car to go to work. So there's a whole lot of blessings in you getting this little puppy. Right? So the next time you want something, let's think about what it takes to get it. Tomorrow is what we call Labor Day. For most of us, it means that it's a holiday. Do you know what do you know? I had to look this one up because I honestly wasn't sure. Do you know why we have Labor Day? Do you? to kind of celebrate the fact that we have jobs mm-hmm. it's kind of the end of the summer kids have to go back to school and then we as adults start looking for um, cooler weather maybe to come along the way family vacations are more or less done so it's kind of the end of the summer of, of what it of what it represents but most of all it's praising God for the fact that we've all got jobs so Let's go back to the puppy and the $300 just for a second. Tomorrow, I want you to stop and to thank God for your mom's and dad's jobs. God gives us lots and lots of lessons in order for you to get that new little dog or whatever it is you might want. There's the job. There's the family. There's 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 the cars, there's the gas, there's a whole lot of things involved. And you and it may not be a dog. It may be something as simple as your clothes. Were your clothes free? No. No. Was your breakfast free?
2: Yes. No. Oh no. no. It no. isn't. No.
1: A lot depends on your mother and daddy being able to go to work. And that's a blessing within itself. And each one of you have got parents. Each one of you's got parents who do a different job. Some work inside, some work outside. But they're all jobs that God has blessed them with. So the next time the words, I won't, come out of your mouth, think about what it takes to get them and what God has to do in order to help you and your parents, okay? All right. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, and thank you for these children. Dear Lord, thank you for watching over them. Thank you for keeping them safe. Dear Lord, thank you most of all for the blessings of their parents and the blessings that you give the parents in order to take care of these children. Watch over and take care of them. And dear Lord, I ask you to please bring them back safely next Sunday. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.
3: I'd like to thank the choir and the ladies who help with the music and Charlie and singers right this morning but also charlie helping me out up here and billy uh back there i think though charlie said something about me not sitting so close to him i i I think he likes sitting next to you better than he does me but um i want y'all to think about something the choir sang a song when they started this morning and uh and also that song that Charlie and Susie and Tempe just sang had a, had a line or two in it that caught my attention. The choir sang a song about names, right? Calling on the name of the Lord. And then they just sang a song that said, He knew me, yet he loved me, Right? And I've been hearing a lot lately in Christian circles of the idea of being fully known, yet fully loved. And I think a lot of times what happens, especially in the body of Christ, is we're not quite fully known because we have our little secrets, right? Man, if they knew this about me, if they knew the thought I just had, if they knew what I did on Friday of last week, their love for me, right? And the church has had a way of cutting people off. And so this idea of being fully loved and fully known is foreign to us, and I think if we all search our hearts and and look down deep, we'll find out, too, that it may be a systemic problem based on how our families are. Man, if my wife really knew me, would she still love me? So this idea of being fully known and fully loved is of utmost importance in the church, in our families. Like what if you and I could be completely relaxed and at rest among those around us because they know us, they know who we truly are, they know our inconsistencies, they know our failings, and yet at the same time they choose to still walk with us. And carry us when we're down. And see, uh, the idea of the fact that Jesus knows us deep within. He knows every thought we've ever thought, every deed we've ever done, and yet still chose to die for us is huge. And it ought to be a starting point for all the rest of that intimacy that we've are calling for in the lives of our family and the life of the church. But also this idea of names, right? Calling on the name of Jesus. See, here's, here's the thing. When somebody fully knows us and yet still chooses to love us, it. It sets the stage for us to run to them when we're really struggling, doesn't it? And so when we talk about calling on the name of Jesus, understand, you know, we're not talking about just the name. I mean, you speak the name of Jesus and it has power, but the reason it has power is because that name is connected to a particular person who has proven himself faithful, right? Right, And so when we speak the name, what we're doing is calling his presence into our lives. What we're doing is saying, I am in need and I need you. So we hear about calling on the name of Jesus. When, When Ashley speaks my name, If she saw a snake slithering through, right? Ernie! (laughs) She don't think there's power just in calling my name. She thinks, I need you, and I need you now, right? Or one of the kids falls down and scrapes their knee. Ernie! She doesn't need my name. She needs me. So last week, we got to talking about how the gospel, the good news about the name Jesus Christ, right, actually points us beyond the message to the person. We go beyond the name to the actual person. And we began to talk about the fact that when we think about grounding ourselves in the gospel, we are actually driving our trust deeper into a person. Not a set of beliefs or not just some name of some man that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. We are grounding ourselves in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about continuance, right? Paul says in Colossians 1, in Colossians 1, if you continue in the faith, firmly established, steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Okay? And so I want to present to you this morning a case study from the scripture that shows how our continuing in the faith is based on this idea of a relationship with one who is worthy of our trust, okay? And how this idea of continuance is birthed out of and immersed in the idea of a continual love relationship with this particular person. So when we talk about the gospel and we talk about faith and staying in the faith, we're not talking about words on a page. We're talking about a real life, flesh and blood savior who fully knows us and yet loves us, right? So, with that in mind, we're getting ready to journey through a case study. So put your thinking caps on and turn once again to Matthew chapter 16. I know I've used this a lot over the last several months, but Matthew chapter 16. Now, put your seatbelts on because we are going to have to tackle... Um, quite a bit of scripture to grab the story and grab what the the significance is of what is going on. But for this idea of continuing in the faith, I want to present to you a case study on a man we call Peter. Okay? Okay? So I want you to picture Peter as someone who has begun to have a relationship with Jesus. Okay? He's met Jesus. Jesus came to them on the Sea of Galilee. Galilee, said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay? And so Peter's been walking with Jesus. And finally, we've talked about this before. But look, about, look at verse 13 of Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, now understand here, it's crucial to know who Jesus is. Everything rides on that. Everything. And he's basically asking, uh, hey guys, y'all have been hanging with me for a little bit. You've been hanging with me. You've been seeing everything I'm doing. You're developing a love relationship with me. So, what are you figuring out? What do you see? What is the Father showing you in your mind and your heart as you've been watching everything I do and hearing everything I say? And, 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 you know, they say, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. He said, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Peter is responding to the activity of God in his life, bringing him into a relationship with Jesus where he recognizes who he is and he's beginning to place his trust in who this Jesus really is. All right, Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And he said, this is who you are. And so Jesus actually gives Peter a huge commendation. Blessed are you, because you're figuring this out. And guess what? It's not you who's figuring it out. It's actually the Father's activity in your life, drawing you to me, helping you to see exactly who I am. Then he told his disciples, hey, don't tell anybody that I'm the Christ, verse 20. Look at um, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, understand something. I hope you can see the love relationship here because Peter and the disciples are coming to know Jesus as who the Father wants as how the Father wants them to come to know him. But understand that there's also all of this other information about Jesus that they don't have yet. And so Peter, who's in a love relationship with the Father, the Father's revealing who Jesus is. Peter's God, God the Father and Jesus are taking Peter one step at a time. And so they tell he tells the disciples, now that you're figuring out that I am the Christ. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I have to teach you about that fact. So don't tell anyone I'm the Christ, but wait until you figure out what else I've got to show you. And so it's this idea of faith. Okay, you've shown trust in what I've revealed to you at this point. Now let me take you a little bit further and see how your trust is as I begin to teach you who I am and what this means about me being the Messiah. And so if you read Romans 1, it says that the just shall live By faith. And it says from faith to faith, right? And this idea of faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. And it's an idea of being grounded in a love relationship with Jesus so that he can take us from here and keep constantly moving us forward in our love relationship with him so we get to know him in the way the Father wants us to know him. So he says, I'm going to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. How would you like for the Savior of the universe? to turn to you and actually call you Satan. So on one hand, Peter has just gotten this huge commendation from God. And on now, on the other hand, Peter is not quite tracking with what God is wanting to teach him about Jesus the Messiah. And so he says, uh-uh, oh, uh-uh, oh, 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 I ain't buying that. And Jesus looks at him and says, Get behind me, Satan. You're not going to step in my way. And see, so many of us, when I, when I and, and, and me included, when I'm talking about continuing in the faith and we better make sure we're continuing in the faith, we get this weight over us and we get this, oh my gosh, i got to be perfect and I've got to move forward and I've got to step in and I've got to get nitty gritty. And, and, and don't get me wrong, the Bible wants us to be at a place where we're serious about our relationship with Jesus. And that's why all those scriptures are in there because it's moving us to that point to where we're taking it seriously. And that can be a good thing. Oh my gosh, Jesus, please help me. But I love the fact that the scripture's real. And there's people in here that mess up. And don't get it right and when they're supposed to be having faith, don't quite understand and therefore can't. Let's go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. Verse 1. It says, Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end there's the idea of Jesus's love again right so understand he's getting ready to go to the cross his hour had come it's time for him to be killed crucified as he just told Peter in Matthew chapter 16 although this is a lot of time has passed now Jesus is getting ready to go die on the cross and be raised from the dead and ascend to his father and knowing that this is what he does and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now understand, Jesus has been like the master teacher. This position of washing feet back then, when you're walking around dusty roads because you don't have cars and everything else, you may ride some donkeys or some horses or something like that, or camel or something. But most of your travel is going to be in sandals, walking down the road, dirty roads. It was the servant's job to wash your feet. And so Jesus, who's a master teacher, is actually humbling himself to the position of servant. And get this. Those who are fully known, he knows everything that's about to happen. He knows all the disciples that are fixing to be scared half out of their mind and flee from him. He knows Judas is about to betray him and yet still bends down, takes a servant's position, and washes their feet. But watch what happens when he gets to Simon Peter. It says, he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So once again, Jesus... Jesus is building his love relationship with him, and he says, you're not going to understand exactly right now what I'm doing, but based on what's going to happen in the next little while, God's going to be at work in your heart and mind, and you're going be, to begin to grasp what's going on, and it's going to make a huge difference in your life. This, this idea of just, just trust me, Peter. Just trust me. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Peter, do you really trust me? Do you? And as I'm revealing step by step things you need to know, your main task is to trust me. It's your main task. And Peter, and and we spoke last week about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And if we are of a position of pride, you ain't going to do nothing for me. And it comes sometimes out of insecurity and guilt and shame that's in our lives. Guys, do y'all understand how important it is that we are humble enough to say, you know what? I'm hungry. Jesus, wash me. I'm taking you up on this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of them. Now, Wallace can take his once a month shower, right? Right? And after that, you know, he doesn't really need a shower. He just needs to kind of, you know, wash his face every now and then if he gets something while he's eating a meal and whatever else. But until that next month comes, he don't really need to wash again. But do you get the picture? Jesus says, this is when I called you to myself. And you've been spending time with me. You've been trusting me. And I've been doing some cleaning and some cleansing as you've been relating with me. Right? Then you've moved along and, and, and I've been doing a little more cleaning and a little more cleansing. And then you get over here and, and I'm telling you, I, I, just, I just want to wash your feet. That's, that's all I want to do this time. And, and you're like, well, no, just go ahead and do the whole thing. Well, no, no Peter, Peter, just stop. Stop just a minute. Don't, don't get in over your head. Don't, don't um, get all religious on me. Just we take him one step at a time. I've already cleaned you back here. I've already given you your once a month shower. And what I want to do is I just, I, just want to, I just want you to trust me in this one little thing that I'm doing right now. I just want to purify you in this one little area. Just just trust me, Peter. Just trust me. Y'all get the picture? If you're already clean, I, I, just, I just need to work on you in this area right here. If you're already reconciled to me because of the blood of Jesus and he died on the cross, and rose again, then, then I, just, I just need you to pay attention to me in this one area right here. Trust me. Um, we talk about uh, not understanding and where we are in our relationship with the Lord and whether we continue or remain in the faith or whether we don't. I want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to kind of discuss this a little bit in the life of Peter Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Well, yeah, that's where I want to be. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now understand that in Peter's relationship with Jesus, the moment he began to share with Peter that he had to go suffer and die, Peter was like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And Jesus rebukes him. And since that point, Jesus has been trying to teach him, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to suffer and die. And and, and this is the plan. This has been the plan since Genesis, before Genesis, right? But especially Genesis 3.15. There was going to be a Messiah who was coming, who was going to to, uh, be bruised in his heel. He was going to suffer a blow, but he was going to crush the serpent's head. And so I want you to understand, Peter, that this has been the plan. And when it comes to washing you, I have to go out this way. And you have to let me wash you by going out this way. And so you can begin to understand sometimes we think in our lives things should go this way. And because I'm trusting an almighty Messiah who has all power to do anything that he wants to do, then he's going to part the waters just like he did with Moses. Moses. Or he's going to raise the dead just like he did with Elijah. Or he's going to heal the leper and the blind man and the lame just like he did with those when he walked the earth. But sometimes we get disappointed with God because he can do this and yet he chooses not to. And yet he walks the dark path instead of the light path. But understand that there's a reason that he does what he does when he does it, and he has a greater plan, and he's remaining faithful to his plan and to the love that he has for you and I when he tells us, Walk this way. Walk with me. But you can understand now the disappointment in the disciples and Peter. They have somebody standing next to them who is powerful enough to change all of life as they know it and yet he's just standing there not going to fight. And they're exhausted and they're sad. Verse 32, but after I've been raised... I will go before you to Galilee. And guys, I want y'all to pay attention to that. The idea of the resurrection of Jesus is of utmost importance to continuing in the faith. And we're going to understand that if we have enough time. But we better speed up. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way, but you're like, you know, you may have heard Pastor Ernie talking about if you don't continue in the faith, then how in the world can blamelessness and being without reproach be yours? And therefore, how can heaven be yours? And you're like, I'm gonna put my stake in the ground. I'm never gonna fall away. I'm never gonna stumble, right? I don't know if any of you have responded like that to my sermon. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. I could tell myself till I'm blue in the face that I'm never going to stumble, and I'd be lying right through my teeth. Man, it's awesome that, that God just works with the, his people that he loves step by step by step in the midst of all of our inconsistencies, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our misunderstanding, right? Verse 34, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter says to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the rest of the disciples. We got your back, Jesus. Verse 36, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. And that's when he asked if the cup could pass from him. And he came back to Peter and the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not, like, stand with me for one hour? See, Some of us may think, man, I got this. I got this Christianity thing. I'm gonna stand for Jesus, and even if I have to die for him, i got it. And Peter couldn't even live for him. He couldn't even spend an hour in prayer without falling asleep. So what makes him think he's gonna have the option? To die for him. So if you know that that happened about three times, okay? Verse 47 Judas, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came and they arrested Jesus, okay? And then verse 69 of chapter 26, verse 69 it says, Peter sat outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them for your speech betrays you. And then he began to curse and swear. Now, this is one of Jesus' disciples, guys. This is the one he said, I'm going to build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. This is Peter. This is like lead dog in the disciple group. And he's cursing and swearing saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So Peter goes out and weeps. Now turn to John chapter uh, 21. I'm skipping a bunch of chapters here that I wanted to show y'all, but I'm running out of time. I want you to understand when we read verse 1 of chapter 21, it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Now, guys, I cannot reiterate the fact that God the Father is at work and He's, he's Jesus is in communion with his Father and he's doing the things that his Father calls him to do. And Jesus is at work in Peter's life and he's taking Peter Step, and the rest of the disciples, everybody around him, step by step by step in his love relationship with him. And Peter is called to trust him in those little bitty ways. Some of the times he's there in his faith, other times he doesn't understand and he doesn't latch on in faith. And Jesus is meeting him there and saying, walk with me, Peter. Walk with me, Peter. And when Peter falls away, flat out denies him. Is this the end? No, and here's why. Jesus got crucified. He was dead. He was buried. Peter has went to the tomb. He saw an empty tomb, but then he's also seen Jesus a couple of times. And understand, when John 21 1 says he, sees, he shows up again, this means Jesus. I mean, Peter has already seen Jesus before this point as the resurrected Messiah. But I want you to understand that Peter is still carrying a lot of weight and a lot of guilt, I believe, because he went out and wept bitterly. And watch what Peter says. (coughs) Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, where did Peter start out, guys? He's already seen Jesus resurrected. Now he says again, this is too much for me. I'm struggling right now. Forget it. I'm going back. Y'all see that? I'm going fishing. I'm going back to where I was before I met Jesus. I'm going fishing. I'm glad that there is a God who fully knows us and yet chooses to love us, right? So understand, if Jesus was still dead in a tomb, what I'm about to tell you would have never Had happened. But because that was not the end. And because there was no power. That can stop. A faithful God. Then I can tell you. The rest of the story. The disciples went with Peter and they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Guys, this is very reminiscent of one of the first few times that Jesus met them in his relationship with him. What's he doing? He's taking them back. Peter went back. Jesus went back. And he said, this is when you met me. You remember what happened? You couldn't catch some fish. And I told you to cast some nets on the other side. Right? Right? You see, it's all about a love relationship with a living Messiah, not one who is dead, guys. It's about a love relationship with the God who remembers when he first met you and who remembers every step of the way since then and can pick up at any moment and get you where he wants you to be. The love relationship is of utmost importance from faith to trust to trust to trust. Cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, I know who that is. It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it, it was the Lord. I don't know how much guilt he felt. I don't know how much shame. Cause he just wanted to go fishing. He wanted to stay far away from where God wanted him to be. But when he finds out it's Jesus, he just jumps in the water. He goes, Try to get there. Jesus, he cooked him breakfast. Guys, that's a love relationship if if I ever saw. He denied Jesus three times for Jesus cooking and breakfast. And he said, you, you, you're not going to understand now, Peter, about me washing your feet. But you're going to understand a little bit later what it means. And Peter thought, I got this. You're not going to wash my feet And I'm going to die for you. And he didn't even know that he was going to fail. And Jesus said, you'll understand it. You'll understand how much you need me. Just hang on. And so they go fishing. Jesus tells them to catch fish. Peter comes swimming to Jesus. And Jesus asks him three times. Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked him three times. Do you love me? Now, I don't know if there's any significance to this or not, because I think there's scholars who can go either way. But I think the first two times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the Greek word agapao which is a committed choice type of love. And Peter responds and says, no, I phileo you, which is a brotherly type love. Can you imagine that? Peter's like, Jesus, you want that committed love that never stops. But you know me. You saw what I did. You saw what I did before I even did it. You know I don't agapao I you I Phileo you just a brother love. What's up, man? Not not I'm gonna die for you. Love. Right. To be fully known and fully loved. And Jesus finishes ministering to him, tells him. Guess what, buddy? You are going to die for me. I got you. You think you don't have what it takes, but now you're letting me wash you. And guess what? You are going to die for me. Keep reading. Because of my work inside of you, because of my love relationship, because I'm not a dead Messiah, I'm an alive Messiah, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, you are going to stand the test. Because I'm at work in you. Now watch what Peter writes. I know it's 12.07, but y'all got to hang with me. Watch what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, this is years later. Years later. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. Peter and the disciples have been ministering for a long time. And Peter's writing a letter. Look at what it says. 1 Peter 1.1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, to those of you who have come to Christ and now you're in the process of being sanctified by the blood of Jesus, right? Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a what? (coughs) A living hope, not a dead one, because we don't serve a dead Messiah who's still in the grave. See, this idea of a resurrection is playing in Peter's mind. He said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has according to his mercy, begotten us or caused us to be born again to a living hope through the what? Resurrection Resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, Peter probably had lost all hope and he said, I'm going fishing. But because Jesus rose from the dead and was no longer dead, then he could meet him in the resurrection and he could have a living hope. to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fall away or fade away, reserved in heaven for you, listen to this, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, those of you who've come to faith in Jesus And are kept by him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Why? Because he's not a dead Messiah. Are y'all with me? He's holding on to you. And he wants to meet you step by step by step. And he wants you to cling to him. And he wants to walk you through the next season and the next season and the next season. And he wants to make sure that that inheritance that you have now been brought into is still yours when it comes time to claim it. And he can only do that because he is a risen Savior, not a dead Messiah. So listen. I don't know if anybody here this morning feels like Peter. You've blown it. You're worried about where you stand with Jesus. Some of you, you know, some of you need to come up here and, and, and tell Jesus, you know, Jesus, I don't agape you. I only phileo you and you know it. Some of you, it's your moment to be poor in spirit. This is your moment. For some of you, you've been poor in spirit. And this is your moment when you need to come and say, Jesus, I need your keeping. I need your resurrection power to transform me and give me a living hope because I've sure been walking without. But for some of you, you may be looking at your life and you may be saying, you know what? I had all this backwards. I thought it was kind of a, the way you got right with God was just by doing things, not by trusting in a person. And you know, Peter, Peter, he had. Jesus had something to go back to with Peter where he first met Jesus and Jesus began to change his life. I I can't see that in my life. I can't see where I've actually trusted a person and I really need to get that straight. Then that's your invitation this morning. So as we sing, the invitation hymn. Guys, you're not coming to an altar. What are you coming to? A what? A person. Not a dead Messiah. And a live Messiah who wants to be at work in you. So when you come forward this morning, it ain't about the altar and it ain't about the pastor. It's about you in relationship with an alive Messiah. Let's sing together.